0: hello and welcome to the have a crack podcast the show that allows at least one person to rant and rave about anything and everything going on in the beautiful game that is football i'm your host luke peach joined as ever by george camp george hello 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 been another fantastic week in the premier league which we'll get to shortly last week i did say that we would be doing five minute blitzes but lo and behold when we got to the end the podcast was still as bloody long as the rest of them so we are now going to do two minute sprints on um five of the matches and do our normal deep dive on another five and hopefully that shaves off a fair few seconds but before we get into that obviously some news that did break on our last podcast um, that we need to draw a bit of attention to is obviously the passing of Diego Maradona which the Premier League gave gave solace to this weekend by giving him a round of applause before pretty much every single game and I believe the Napoli team have also commissioned to have their stadium renamed um, to basically just be the Diego Maradona stadium Um, and all of the Napoli players wore his his name and number on the back I think in their last match which is quite nice. The,
1: the other, the other thing is worth mentioning is, is I don't know if, uh, Papa Bouba Diop also died as well.
0: He did. Former um, West Ham player as well, wasn't he? in West Ham. Apparently,
1: he had motor neurons disease or ALS, as they call it in the states or other mm. parts of the world. But it's
0: very uh, sad to see. He was also known as the Wardrobe because he was so tall and stuff. I don't know where that came from, but hey. Oh, I um, saw that somewhere, and I wanted that. Yeah. Um, but again, mine and George's love to everyone in Maradona's and. Papa Boopa Diop's family right so hopefully we'll get through one week of 2020 where there isn't some awful tragedy going on that affects football and we can just go straight into the actual review but fingers crossed um we will start this week um with a two minute blitz um and it will come I'll put it on you George Crystal Palace versus Newcastle The final score was Crystal Palace-0, Newcastle-2, with Callum Wilson scoring in the 88th minute and Joe Linton scoring on the 90th. George, talk to me about this match. You have two minutes.
1: I I love this. I love... I don't like Palace. And I I think it was a relatively even game. I think Palace had more of the ball um, than what Newcastle had. It's quite a nice... It was Friday night, that game, wasn't it? So it's quite a nice one. But good for Joe Linton to get on the... uh, the, um, on, on the goal scoring sheet as well. Cause he's not scored for God knows how long for um,
0: Spurs for with his last goal. I think um, really last a long season.
1: Time ago. Yeah. It's a long time ago. So um, but other than that, not really, I suppose there's not much to talk about apart from Amazon prime did an absolutely awful job of um, trying to get this, this game streamed because it kept failing for me. God knows how many times. Um, so I wasn't able to watch it as, as nicely as I normally would. Um, but yeah, decent game, uh, lots of good attacking football, lots of shots on target, lots of shots in general. Um, and and overall, um, I think it's, it's a tough one for Palace to take because they'll uh, look at that game as a winnable game. Newcastle come away with that very happy, scored two goals, Jolington's on the score sheet, and they won it in the last few minutes as well, which is always like the the icing on the cake with, uh, with games like that against Palace. So um, I, th- I think, you know... I like Newcastle. Um, I'm not a massive fan of Palace, as you know. There's there's defenders like Gary Cahill. I think I'm going to single out him because um, I know one of the shots um, came off. I think it came off Gary Cahill, the second goal. So um, is he is is he is he past it, Gary Cahill? Now, what is he? Mid thirties, playing yeah, for Palace?
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, he's left Chelsea and gone to Crystal Palace to die. Um, as yeah. as, as and, say,
1: And Wilfred Zaha wasn't playing So of course Palace were going to lose anyway So Because they haven't won a game without Zaha For God knows how long So, Are we having the whistle today or not?
0: Um, I can't find it So um, <laughs> I, will just, <laughs> I will just tell you When your two minutes are up um, Which they are now up um, As I've just said that So there you go That was two minutes on Crystal Palace Versus Newcastle Final score Crystal Palace nil newcastle united two goals from joe linton and callum wilson in the last couple of minutes unlucky palace well done newcastle uh, a bit of news about newcastle is their game against aston villa this friday is looking like it will be postponed due to a massive outbreak of coronavirus oh i've said the word of COVID. Uh, oh god i said it again is um, <laughs> in the big. training ground and they might end up postponing so i what think that's unfair oh what because they get more time to well, no other team, no other team has had that, have
1: they? Lots of other teams have had positive problems, so why, yeah,
0: why did
1: they get be... figured out?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs. Maybe there's more than than usual. I, I don't know. Perhaps it's just because it's Steve Bruce. Who knows? Um, but there we go. Our first two-minute blitz. Next game is a bit of more of a deep dive. And this one, uh, rub your hands together, George. It is Brighton versus Liverpool. Final score was Brighton 1, Liverpool 1. Goal scorers coming from Diego Jota on 60 minutes for Liverpool. And Pascal Gross putting a penalty past Alisson in the 93rd minute to share the points. Guys, the lineups for this one, it's worth taking a note of this, especially because Klopp will want us to, to single out all the injuries he's had. Um, from a Brighton perspective, you have Ryan in goal, <clears throat> Webster, Dunk and Ben White in defence with Veltman, Gross, Basuma, March, supporting pay and a front two of Connolly and Welbeck. Connolly in this match, by the way, won a penalty and was causing Liverpool all sorts of problems. He was a very, very dangerous man in this game. Um... And yes, I did say he did just win a penalty, but it wasn't the one that Brighton scored. So a little bit of a spoiler for that later. Liverpool went with the front three of Salah, Firmino and Jota, with Mane only making the bench. Milner, Wijnaldum and Takumi made up the mid-three, or Minamino, I think, as he's also known. Um, Robertson, Firmino, Phillips and Williams made up a depleted back four for Klopp, with Alisson in goal. Um, And this match was really, really fun to watch for the neutral because you saw Liverpool get absolutely spanked by VAR, something that's been a long time coming um, with all the decisions that's gone for them, I suppose. Sorry, Liverpool fans, but you can't deny they have. Brighton did get an early penalty uh, through Connolly, but it was unfortunately missed by Morpé, literally going wide of the goalpost. Um, Diego Jota then managed to get the ball in the back of the net. Salah and Marnay, who came on a bit later on in this match, also had the ball in the back of the net, but both of them rightfully ruled out. I say rightfully, rightfully ruled out for offside on both counts. Um, and Danny Welbeck was the person who got the last-minute penalty for Brighton. He was kicked by Robertson in the box and by the letter of the law that's a foul that's a penalty so Brighton then took it and scored it um the key thing for me for this match uh was Klopp's interview afterwards but you know what I I think George enjoyed this just as much as I did so George go for it what do you want to say should we start about this should we start with the interview go on then
1: yeah Right. The thing is, right, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen this about so, so many times, and Klopp is the main person that comes out complaining about the fixtures, right? But what he actually did was that he blamed the broadcasters for the, fi- for the fixture list and, and where they're playing their, their games, like what times they're playing their games and how many games they're playing, which he's then saying is the reason why they're having so many injuries because the, the games that they're playing are so close together um, they're not allowed to make the five subs which as, as we know we, me and you both have different opinions on that um, and he just straight up blamed the broadcast he said you're the one that's picking you're the one that's picking the uh, the game at 12.30 and you're selecting us for that 12.30 game for their own financial gain and um, was it Clive Tildesley? Was, uh, was, he the, no. was he the I can't remember who anyway whoever it was good on him because he stuck up for the broadcasters and made Liverpool and Klopp like a right tit because um he said he basically said to him look we all right we choose the games but the, the these broadcasters pay millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds for these games for the rights of these games which pay his players and his wages that funds the club right especially without the fans at the moment um and he's got the audacity to come out and complain about playing at twelve thirty on a saturday and i also saw a stat that this Liverpool, if Liv, the most amount of games that Liverpool can play, um, in terms of sort of, so like you know, like when you, the time between each game, the average time between each game throughout the whole of the season, the 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 lowest time of days between each game for in average throughout the whole of the season, max like minimum game time or, or minimum time between each game is five point four days. Liverpool could actually get to right, in yeah. In two thousand and two, two thousand and three, Manchester United, their average game gap, their average rest period between each game was four point one days. Yep. And Klopp's complaining about five point four 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 days. And I, I I'm when um, Jamie Carragher and uh, Gary Neville they were just they were talking about this, and that's where I got that stat from. Uh, they were talking about this after the game the other day, after last night's game, discussing about Klopp and Gary Neville said he goes well I don't see why everyone's saying this is an exceptional year what is exceptional about it as is that footballers have never had so much footballers have never had so much time off before they had all that time off in the lockdown at the start of the, at the sort of the end of last season they came back they played throughout the summer they then had another four or five weeks off and he was saying like most footballers they, they get they get three four five weeks off maximum a year throughout the whole year not just the summer and everyone's saying about how exceptional this season is. You know, the only thing that's exceptional is the fact that these players have, have had so much rest time anyway. So is it because they're playing too much football or is it because they had too much rest in the summer? Now now you can look at it from either, either way. Um, from, from any perspective, from any way you're looking at it, Klopp is just being a big fat crybaby as what he has been and what Liverpool are constantly and we're going to go now 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 I've spoken about I don't know what well, your before I move to the game what
0: are your thoughts on it luke so <laughs> i do see where klopp is coming from because he has to defend his players he um is a premier league winning manager like sir alex ferguson was again they said this on monday night football sir alex used to do this all the time they used to mm. he used to come out and say it's ridiculous we shouldn't be playing this soon or whatever. but the reason he did it was to get an advantage for man united and yeah. I mean, they said on Monday Night Football that they don't believe Klopp's like that. They think he's more sincere. Absolute rubbish. (laughs) He's definitely, he's absolutely doing it to to gain an advantage. I mean, I think I said this to you over over a text. They are currently in every competition still and they are top of the league. Yeah. Okay, regardless behind Spurs on goal difference, whatever, we'll get to that a bit later on. Lol. Um, It's how you can complain is beyond me and i looked at their injuries all right these are the injuries that he is complaining about after last night james milner got injured he's 35 years old and he just played two games in a week of course he's probably going to get injured oxalade chamberlain injury prone was injury prone at arsenal it's why he got sold in the end to liverpool virgil van dyke the only reason he's injured is because pickford utterly took him out nothing to do with fatigue it was pickford yep. who destroyed him henderson injury prone mo salah the big global issue at the moment, fine, whatever. He came back last time, uh, in the last game, so you can't keep him in that category. Joel Gomez, injured on England duty. Right? Yeah. Alexander Arnold, fine. He got injured during a match. He's probably a bit fatigued. I'll grant you Trent Alexander-Arnold. Okay, Fabidio is back. Reese Williams isn't going to play every single game. And Tiago, the only other noticeable one. I don't know Tiago's injury history. So out of all of the injuries, realistically, you can moan probably about two. Trent and Thiago. The rest of them are either freak accidents or injury-prone players. Yeah. And and that's there's nothing else to it.
1: The the other thing about it as well, Luke, is that you've got to remember that Liverpool won the league by they had had a handful of games that they still had to play for the rest of the season. And they still played their strongest teams. They still Hmm. played these players every single week. So he's saying that they're playing too much. Well, don't play them in the games you don't need to play them then. Like you have a squad of 25 players, 25 players. You could fill two teams if you wanted to. Now, it's not it's not everyone else's problem that they've got a, a, a smaller amount of players that they would consider first team. Hmm. Now, for example, I look, I look at West Ham, right? I know it's, it's a completely different thing, right, really, but I'm going to use the comparison. If I look at West Ham a lot of the players that are on our bench at the moment 2 years ago or even a year ago they were playing first team football every single week week they were starting week in week out but now they that they've been pushed down to the bench because we've we've invested well we've got better players in and some of them aren't even making the team so yeah,
0: uh, this is it. It winds me up. It really does. A, be- a better example, I mean, yes, you got the West Ham one, but Spurs as well. Spurs are in exactly the same position as oh, Liverpool. Yeah, they're in Europe and they're playing later on in the week than Liverpool. But what Jose does in Europe, yes, it's the Europa League versus the Champion League, whatever. But it matter, it's still a game of football, isn't it? Exactly. In the Europa League, who plays for Tottenham? Hardly any. So. The people who are not Dele getting Ali. starts in the Premier League. Dele Alley, Gareth Bale, Lucas Moura, um Harry Winks. Ha- Harry Winks. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're even doing it for me. All of these players are being rotated. Jose is using his full squad. And oh, look, shock, horror. We've got one injury, and that's Toby Alderweireld. Mm. Okay. And that happened in the game against um, Manchester City, where he completely ran his socks off. And also, Toby Alderweireld is 31 years old. Yeah. Okay. You played your best defender. He played his heart out. We won the game. He got a groin injury. He's going to be back in two, three weeks. Fine, acceptable injury, in my opinion. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. Talk about the game because Klopp, cop annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he annoyed me as well, but justifiedly annoyed us. um
1: The game. Well, yeah. As you said, the VAR done done Liverpool over. Well, you could say three times, and they'll be they'll be annoyed by it. Although all three of them the last one, in my opinion, were correct. Um, so two of them were correct and the last one, in my opinion, wasn't. Um, Mo Salah scored, Sadio Mane. When that Mane goal went in, in uh, the 84th minute, um, that was disallowed. I thought that was game over. I thought, well, that's game over, and he was marginally offside. But the thing is that they, they were offside, simple as. They were offside. Um, and then the Welbeck penalty, um, very similar to the, the Salah penalty that he got against West Ham, right? And all the Liverpool fans were going, "Oh, it's a blatant penalty! It's a blatant penalty!" Now, they hit whoever—I can't know who, who, who it was—kicked Danny Welbeck pretty much identical. That it was a pretty much identical to the to the Mazuaku and, and Salah penalty versus versus West Ham. And in fact, I'd say they hit Danny Welbeck harder. If anything, they got more contact. And they're saying they're going. That's not Henderson came out after the game and said, "That's not a penalty." He came out after the West Ham game and said, well, oh, yeah, of course it's a penalty. Where's, what's the double standards here? It's a joke. This is It's, li- it's crybaby pool all over again. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they just complain about absolutely everything. All right, you know what? Liverpool should have won the game, right? Although, in the first half, Brighton were really, really good. They were really good in the first half. So, um, Brighton would be happy because they have drew at home against Liverpool. Liverpool will be annoyed because they feel like they've gone there, scored three goals and come back one all, I mean Brighton missed a penalty. So Brighton although Brighton are happy that they've got a point in the back of their mind they're thinking oh if we scored that penalty we would have beaten Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 an odd game. Um obviously Diogo Jota's uh, st- still doing really well for for Liverpool. Uh, More Pay was the one that missed the penalty wasn't he? So
0: It was. Um Yep, overall um a point for Liverpool took them to the top of the Premier League um, for a little while. Uh, Brighton will take the point against Liverpool, as you say, and they'll focus more on beating the teams around them to climb themselves out of trouble. The only yeah. other thing of note in this game Adam Lalana came on off the bench and then, pretty much yeah. after two minutes, came straight back yeah. off with injury. Imagine road. if he was a Liverpool player still and he went off and added to Klopp's injury concerns. Um, yeah, But there we go. Fair play. Brighton won, Liverpool won. Okay, a, a two-minute blitz is up next, and we have Manchester City versus Burnley. Now, what we're probably going to... Sorry? You blitz this one. I'll blitz the last one. Fine, I'll blitz this one for two minutes. It is that time. Let's give it two minutes. Manchester City won 5 nil against Burnley that is it, that is the roundup. Um, Manchester City have now beaten Burnley three times in a row by that scoreline. It could have even have been 6-0 if a late goal by Jesus wasn't ruled out for offside. Riyad Mahrez scored a hat-trick um, on the 6th, 22nd and 69th minute. Benjamin Mendy got his first goal for Manchester City despite playing for the club for over three years now, I believe, and Furan Torres added to his Manchester City account in the 66th minute. Uh, Manchester City gave a very very rare start to John Stones at the back in place of Americ Laporte Mm -hmm. Um, and on the bench we still found the likes of Raheem Sterling Uh, Aguero missed this week's game because of his closeness to Diego Maradona I believe Uh, but Pep still managed to find room on the bench for Cancello, Fernandinho, Bernardo Silva and Phil Foden Okay, Fernandinho, Phil Foden, and Garcia all came on in this match. And Burnley, you know, credit to Burnley, credit to Sean Dyche. He tried to do something new. He brought on some some academy uh, kids, some young kids in Benson. Uh, Pope was out injured after saving a point for them against Crystal Palace in their last match. Um, so Peacock Farrell was in goal, um, but you'll probably want to forget about this because five goals conceding on your debut isn't exactly the best thing in the world. And Burnley. You know, for all Burnley are known for their defensive mindedness and how solid they are, for some reason, Sean Dyche decided to just roll the dice with this one and kind of went on all out attack for them. And within the first three minutes, six minutes or so, Manchester City were ahead and it was one way traffic from then. Sean Dyche even said at the end, if you come to Manchester City um, and if they're in form, it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to destroy you. Um, So Pep will really, really like this um, comeback after what happened last week against Spurs. And it's a very, very dangerous time for the rest of the Premier League if Manchester City start finding their shooting boots again. Uh, But there we are, Manchester City 5, Burnley 0. Nothing new for Burnley. Unfortunately, you stay in the relegation zone and my two minutes are up there you go good god they always,
1: they always get thumped by my, my by city anyway so we knew that was going to happen
0: yeah unfortunate yeah. for burnley maybe next time just put 11 men behind the ball yeah. um <laughs> so, <on> you. <laughs> so, the next game um is more of our uh, a deep dive was um what have i got here i have got southampton versus manchester united So, final score here was Southampton 2, Manchester United 3. Really, really good game for the neutral, this one. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, For Southampton, they were actually 2-0 up in this game. Bednarak got onto a, a cross that he used the back of his head to scoop in past all of the Manchester United players into the goal. And James Ward-Prowse with another amazing free kick. David De Gea tried his best to keep it out, ended up kissing the pole with every part of his body. And I think he also got injured trying to save that because Dean Henderson yeah. came on in the second half to replace him. And he did not look happy in the uh, um, on the bench. Maybe it's nice. because he knows if he gives, gives Henderson a sniff in that goal, he might not ever get it back. Hopefully. Um, Manchester United looked like old Manchester United. First half, they were absolute rubbish. They went in at half-time. Oli must have had a word. He made some instant changes, bringing on the likes um, of Edison Cavani. Um, And Bruno Fernandes scored on the 60th minute with Cavani then scoring in the 74th and 92nd minute. And Cavani, you know, he had quite a few chances. He could have probably had a hat-trick or maybe even four in this match um, on a different day. Um, And the argument of oh Cavani's old he's not going to be good enough in the Premier League I think he's starting to silence some of those critics but overall Southampton would be disappointed they obviously let a 2-0 lead slip and uh, but there are some positives that Hassan Houtel can take from it and when you lose against a big six team as it were um, it's not exactly points you counted on maybe to begin with anyway. So a bit of a free hit for Southampton and they did cover themselves in a little bit of glory here. Uh, George, anything you want to say? Well, I'm just going to echo what I said
1: to you earlier in the week um, after the game. I sent you a little text and it said, only Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi have scored more goals in Europe in the last 10 years than Edison Cavani. Edison Cavani. So why are people actually shocked that he's very, very good? Mm. Um, and you know what? It came on at halftime. He assisted Fernandez's goal and he scored two goals. And i have say it again, he looks like Mickey Flanagan, right? He looks like Mickey Flanagan and he makes me laugh every time I see him because he literally does look like Mickey Flanagan. Look for a photo if you don't know who he is, but you're, you're, most people know who he is. And just look at the comparison. They're like twins. Um, James Wall Prowstow, class. Got, he got the assist for the uh, at corner um, and a cracking free kick as well. De Gea probably would be annoyed. He probably should have done better. But De Gea is not very good at saving free kicks. And I've said it for, for a few years, De Gea is on his way out and he's going to be on his way out of United soon because I personally think he's quite overrated for what he is. Good goalie. I don't think he's Man United level. And I hope that Dean Henderson does manage to seal a spot in, that, in, the, in between the sticks. And maybe it's just, you know, the confidence of the... Uh, of the defense now of Man United when they had Dean Henderson in the sticks, you don't know. You know, it, it things like this happen. So um, overall, though, oh, it was a cracking game. It was a really good game, and I was happy that United won because we play United next uh, next weekend. First game back with fans as well. Two thousand fans in the London Stadium, and you never want to play Man United or you don't, You don't. You never want to play one of the bigger teams that off off just after they're off a, off of a defeat. Um, so. Yeah, decent, decent game. I like what I like watching Southampton. I've, and I've been saying this this season, Southampton are very, very nice to watch this season. They put away some really good goals, um, really good finishing. And, and although they'll be annoyed that they lost that game after being 2-0 up, I, I think they'll still be relatively happy with, especially with that first half performance. Um, they just let it slip, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, they, they did let it slip. Um, um, and I, and I, I... social. Go on, oh, sorry. Go on.
0: I mean, I, I, say, I, I feel for them just because I think when the summer comes around again, it'll be typical Southampton. And I think the likes of Ward-Prowse, Ings and Jennipo will be on a lot of other clubs' shopping lists.
1: Well, I mean, we spoke about Ward-Prowse in a, in a previous podcast saying that he's absolutely prime now of his career. And now is the time that he's going to want to move to a top six. I'm doing like the bunny is with my fingers. Um, top six club. Um, so... Um, and, and, and Solskjaer came out at the end of the game um, and he was saying that, that they would have been happy with 2-2 two, 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 two at the end of that game. And he also mentioned about um, Henderson and how he is as such a vocal goalkeeper as well. Um, so um, there's a few things to pick out on that game. Is One, Edison Cavani is very good. We knew he was very good. And we was all hoping that it wasn't going to be a repeat of what Falcao has done um, at Man United and hopefully be more of a... Ibrahimovic, t- more style signing. Um, so, and and the other thing is, it's nice to see Henderson back in goal for a top class, te- for a top class team. So, and obviously Southampton, very good. They'll bounce back, Southampton, um, no doubt about it. I have no idea who they've got next. Brighton, Brighton. They've got Brighton away next, which is a big game for them because it's a relative, like South Coast derby in it. So, yeah. Um, and Man United have got the mighty hammers. So. <laughs>
0: Nice plug. But yes, so the final score there was Southampton 2, Manchester United 3. Very, very good game for the neutral. Very, very good game for a Manchester United supporter. Our next match is a blitz and this one I'm handing back over to you, George. Um, I'm going to give you West Brom versus Sheffield United. The um, final score was 1-0 to West Brom. Connor Gallagher getting the only goal of the game on 13 minutes. Over to you, George.
1: I'm I'm so pleased for West Brom. I like Slavin Bilic, you know know i said. But, you know, West Brom didn't particularly play incredible. Uh, Conor Gallagher scored a good goal, took advantage of uh, um, some slack defending from Sheffield United. Sheffield United are in trouble, mate. They are in trouble. Um, You've only got to look at the games that they've played. And the thing is, they're not losing these games convincingly. They're losing by the odd goal. And that's what's even more worrying. So, um, Sheffield United are now the only team in the league that haven't lost a game. And that, for me, when you see that after ten games in the league, you, you they've got to be relegation candidate, relegation candidate, candidates, whatever you call it. Candidates. Um, <laughs> that's the one. I can get it out. Um, and I, I believe that they're also the only side that have yet to keep a clean sheet this se- season as well. So, um, defensive problems. Um, and I've, I've, I've said in the past, I put that down to Ramsdale, the goalkeeper. Um, I, I think they're missing Dean Henderson in between the sticks. Um, and, and West Brom obviously come out. West Brom have had some really good performances over the past few weeks and, and come away with nothing. Um, so, and I, I think after that win, they'll have the belief that they can, uh, go on and, and win their next few games. Again, I'm not sure who they've got, um, Palace, West Brom have got Palace next. Um, so they'll look at that, especially if Zaha's not playing. They'll look at that and think they can win that game. So I wonder if Zaha will be back for that. Um, but yeah, really good game. I'm happy for um, for Connor Gallagher as well. Is that his first goal for for West Brom?
0: it is and your time is up your two minutes are up but yes absolutely just very very quickly um some things to point out sheffield united really gave as good as they could in this game they had loads of shots on target i think this was actually now the joint most uh, the, the the game with the joint most shots in a game this season so far with 38
1: how, um, how is that and it's only one nil <laughs>
0: Amazing, amazing, but yeah, point a uh, uh, three points, much needed three points for West Brom and Bilic, and no points still for Sheffield United. Let's see if they can turn it around. Right, our next deep dive is Chelsea versus Tottenham Hotspur. Final score was Chelsea nil, Tottenham nil. Um, it was at the bridge so Spurs fans I've seen a lot of Spurs fans saying this is an absolute brilliant point for us if you'd have offered us a point at the start of the game we would have obviously taken it and I've seen loads of Chelsea fans come back straight away and saying haha small club mentality celebrating a draw bit harsh I think because celebrating a draw is one thing yes celebrating a draw against Chelsea at home is something to celebrate I think no matter who you are um, with the exception of maybe Liverpool and Man City. The overall stats for this game, Chelsea kind of dominated. They had 13 shots to Tottenham's five, three of them being on target, to Spurs' is one on target, um, with about 61% possession going in Chelsea's favour. Um, really, really good match. The only thing it lacked was a couple of goals, if I'm completely honest with you. Jose clearly set up his team, um, as, it, as he's done in the past, park parking the bus and trying to, counter and what he's done with Hoiberg and Sissoko effectively dropping in and making a back six is making Tottenham very 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 hard to break down without absolute bangers from Lanzini from outside the box um, and Chelsea did get a goal in this game believe it or not Werner did manage to put it in the back of the net but it was rightfully pulled out um, for uh, uh, offside other than that, Spurs had a couple of counter-attacks. Aurier shots or snap shot straight at the goalkeeper um, being the most notable. And Lo Celso, I believe, could have also um, won it if he'd done a little bit better at the end instead of just kicking it out for no reason at all. Uh, Jose came out at the end and said that his players weren't happy with the draw uh, and that, that pleased him. Fine. Frank Lampard came out and basically said, Chelsea probably should have won this game. And to be honest, he probably was right looking at the stats. But regardless, a point is a point. Spurs use it to go back to the top of the Premier League, above Liverpool on goal difference. And Chelsea fans, you got another point against a fellow title contender. It's better than no points, isn't it? George, anything you want to say? Um, I
1: mean, fellow title contender. I mean, West Ham are four points behind you. So are we fellow title contenders as well?
0: Yeah, sure. Why not? enjoy Um, anyway (laughs) Um,
1: you know what it was if it uh, if you wasn't a Spurs fan I don't think this would be in our deep dive personally no Um, (laughs) only because only it it was classic Mourinho you remember Mourinho Mourinho moaned right he used to moan about teams that used to turn up at his gaff at his at their at their stadiums um, and used to just play to, for, play for a draw to defend, basically, and do the counter. Well, this was exactly the Jose Mourinho style that we've seen him do in the past. We've seen him do that in the past. And that there was, uh, again, I'm going to use some analysis that uh, um, uh, Sky Sports Pundit has used, is that how um, Mourinho had set his team up to play. He had Eric Dyer and, and Roden sitting in the back, right? I think it was Roden's first start, wasn't it? It was, yeah, his That's debut. Um, and he had Orier on the right and Regulon on the left. But he, he would put Hoyberg in between Dyer and Regulon and Sissoko in between Roden and Orier. And he'd basically have a back six, mm. like a back six. And you would have Ndomble sort of sitting in the centre with Bergwijn's son that were sort of making those pressing runs from the wings and Kane obviously sitting up top and also making those runs. And they literally played the whole game waiting for a counter-attack. The whole game. And I've said this before, is if you let Chelsea have the ball, they'll do something and you'll get drummed, right? And this is the only reason why I've praised Spurs for this game because they let Chelsea have a lot of the ball as well and they didn't get drummed. They still didn't concede. Chelsea only had three shots on target. Spurs only had one shot on target, which I don't even think was a real shot, was it? Not really. Yeah, I think it
0: was Aurier's one that just went straight at Mendy.
1: Yeah, so... um, both goalkeepers were pretty like bystanders. If, you, if, if you're if you looking at that game and you've got to rate the goalkeepers, you'd probably give them both a five because they both did nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, the other the other things that's worth pointing out is I think this is probably one of the best um, Spurs teams in terms of a way record um, to the start of the season that they've had.
0: Yep. First um, time we've been top of the league for two weeks in a row. Um, yeah. Years. Like before I was born years, yeah, madness, <laughs>
1: um so it's um it's nice for you guys to see uh also, I think Mendy's kept more they were saying those was a stat, said mendy's kept more clean sheets than any other Premier League uh goalkeeper, which doesn't really bode well for Kepper, does it, so um who
0: Kepper, yeah, I know, I know it Kepa. was a joke as most say who is he he's already forgotten about, um, but it's not funny if I have to explain it, yeah,, <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, anyway, Chelsea unbeaten. Um, are they unbeaten this season? They haven't no. lost a game this season. Uh, surely not. I don't think they've lost a game this season, Chelsea. Um, you have to look at the league. But I'm pretty sure they haven't lost a game all season. I'll have a look as well while we're talking about it. But, um, and I believe, I've yeah, they have lost one game. Everyone's lost a game. I don't know who they lost against. But um, anyway, um, you know what? Spurs sitting on top, 21. Liverpool, 21 underneath. Chelsea on 19th, Leicester on 18th, West Ham sitting there pretty in 17th um, uh, on 5th with, seven, with 17 points. So um, good start to the season for you boys. Uh, Chelsea will be happy. I think you guys will be happy. Um, either way, that was a really boring game. So, um yeah.
0: <laughs> But on this on this podcast, we have a Spurs fan and a West Ham fan. So they're always going to be yeah. deep dives, listeners. Get used to it. Exactly. Um, right. So our next two-minute blitz, I suppose, goes back to me. Um, Everton versus Leeds United. Um well, final score was Everton my two-minute start now. Everton zero, Everton nil, Leeds United one. Rafina with the only goal in 79. Minutes and I really enjoyed this game, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, Bamford and um, Phillips, Phillips for Leeds absolutely ran that midfield. Um, Decore couldn't get anywhere near him, um, on, from, from Everton's point of view, and he was just feeding passes all day long. He was doing absolutely great. Rafina's goal, have a crack. He sponsors us this week. Thank you very much, Rafina. I always knew you had it in you. Um, Carlo Ancelotti a note for this one Carlo Ancelotti at the start he did get a little bit teary eyed because I think he was quite good friends with Diego Maradona, so God bless him. Um, in terms of the Everton lineup, you have Pickford returning in goal with Godfrey, Keane and Holgate in defence, Iwobi, Alan Decore and Davies in midfield with Hammers, Rodriguez, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison um, all up top, Bamford and Harrison for Leeds um, supported by a midfield of Alyoski, Phillips, Klitsch and Rafina. Dallas Cooper, Koch and Eiling defending uh, the young goalkeeper of Meslier. Um, and Bielsa has been nominated for manager of the season. I think is it ridiculous. manager of the uh, which Rid- ridiculous <laughs> was just weird. <laughs> That's the latest news coming out of Leeds. Um, Rodrigo also not still not getting a start under Bielsa. He's probably still taking time to bed in. Uh, but overall, very very good match for the neutral. Um, Leeds United getting another impressive win in the Premier League, showing they are where they should be, especially with their current boss. Um, I think they'll kick on and probably get a few more impressive wins like this. From Everton's point of view, though, you know, turn back the clock four or five weeks and this result is completely unthinkable. But now they find themselves even out of the top four because results just aren't going their way. Um, Digny is now a long-term injury for them, I think, after some surgery. But even the returning Richarlison couldn't inspire them to victory. So sort of returning to business as usual for Everton. Mm. And that was our two-minute
1: blitz. The the other thing that I'll add, I'll I'll add the little thing like you did to mine is that... uh, Everton play Burnley next, which they will look at that and thinking they can win that game. And Leeds have got a very difficult trip to Chelsea, so um, I think Leeds all—it's a good game to win that for Leeds to build the confidence uh, when they play to play a team like Chelsea. So, yep,
0: absolutely. Uh, okay, um, I want to end on Arsenal Wolves. So let's go to West Ham next for our deep dive. West Ham two, Aston Villa one. Ogbonna with a goal on two minutes. Grealish on a goal on twenty-five minutes, and Jared Bowen another goal in 46 minutes guys as i do i'm going to hand straight over to west ham fan george tell us about this match
1: ah oh, this is another great this is another great one isn't it third <laughs> game on the trot with one. won right we've got a cracking home record as well for some reason but let's pick let's put let's let's go to the points in this game that most people are talking about um the first one i'm not i'm not going to start with the, the obvious the first one is um where should I start? We'll start with with, with Jack Grealish um, and the way that he throws himself on the floor at every opportunity he can. Disgraceful. Disgraceful as a footballer to be doing that. Honestly. And I've seen... And I've, I like Jack Grealish. He is a very, very talented footballer. And, and I know you've agreed with me uh, on yeah. that as well, um, Luke. But the way that he composed himself during that game, throwing himself to the floor at every single opportunity, I was I was getting more angry at Jack Grealish than I was at anything else during this game because of the way that he was just throwing himself to the floor at every single opportunity it's disgraceful the referee was getting fooled every single time and in fact the performance from the referee was a bit of a joke too because he gave he 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 got he, he fell for these 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 dives every single time and the thing is I've got an Aston Villa friend, right? And he said, well, if it's a clip, then it's a foul. I'm like, well, it's a contact sport. You can't just clip a player and then the player goes, it doesn't send him to the floor. Do you know what I mean? When when you're going for the ball, if you get the ball or if you don't get the ball and you just clip the player, that clip does not send the player down to the floor. He could easily carry on playing with the ball at his feet. He just chooses not to because he would rather stop playing and get the free kick. In my eyes, that's cheating. That's cheating in my eyes. Well, How is it any other way? Because it's not—it's not a free kick because it hasn't—it hasn't stopped him from being able to achieve what he was going to achieve. It's his own fault that he's either overrun the ball or the other players won it off of him. So why does he have to keep throwing himself to the floor? Because he wants to get get possession back, and he, we've seen him do it week in, week out against other teams. And I've never really had to sit there and watch Jack Grealish properly, um, like like I have. And he doesn't do it so much for England. And all the Aston Villa fans go, oh, when it gets kicked from pillar to post, you should see the way go. goes. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If a player's diving like that, give him a reason to go down because I'd go through him if, that was, if I was playing that game. I'd have gone through him. I probably would have got myself sent off. Um, <laughs> one of the West Ham technical staff apparently had a go at John Terry saying that um, Jack Grealish is a dive and a cheat, and John Terry and I can't remember the geezer's name from West Ham, but they both got yellow carded for it. And then Dean Smith started moaning about it after the game, twice, in two different interviews, was moaning about how West Ham um, officials from West Ham were saying about how how they're not happy with how Jack Grealish performed it or composed himself in that game. Anyway, I'm going to go off of that. Um, The other other point is uh, the penalty um, that um, Aston Villa got and then subsequently missed. Shirt pull from from Declan Rice. Very minimal shirt pull. Um, again, not really enough to send the player down, crashing down to the floor. Mr. Sniper was out at the London Stadium. Um, and he gave the... Well, VAR also gave the penny, which was, in my opinion, absolutely ridiculous as well. Um, the referee, although the referee, Sebastian Haller up the other end, he got his shirt almost ripped off his back. And the referee completely ignored it. And it wasn't, but it wasn't in the box, which is why didn't. So why how is that not a foul? Mm-hmm. There's all these different scenarios that go on in this that have gone on in this game, and I'm gonna. A lot of this is gonna be surrounded by the referee as well and their decisions. Um, so th- there's those those things, and then Aston Villa lost this game because they went to sleep or they didn't react quick enough when the game started. They conceded in the first two minutes of each half. That they they can't be doing that. Jack Grealish's goal was a deflection as well. So they got a little bit lucky. We shouldn't have let him run in like that anyway. Um, but the deflection is what took it in. So I'd be very disappointed if I was an Aston Villa fan because West Ham didn't play, play particularly well. Um, in fact, it's probably the worst performance we've had this season bar the Newcastle game, which we deservedly lost. So, um, But, you know, West Ham came over for three points, so I'm happy. Aston Villa fans aren't happy. Um, before I move on to the other point, what what are your thoughts on it, Luke?
0: Well, <laughs> You just got to look at the stats. Aston Villa had 16 shots to West Ham's two. They had six shots on target, 66% possession to West Ham's 34. Double the amount of passes. Yet yeah, they couldn't do anything with it. Uh, Trezeguet, I think, missed an absolute sitter as well. Uh, I remember that oh, coming up. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Watkins obviously missing the penalty. What happened to him? Um, he he started firing on all cylinders and now he's sort of going off the boil a bit. I want to point out that Ben Rama, when he came on, I thought he was pretty cool. Impact um, straight away. Yep, impact straight away. Great signing. Can't wait for, to see him starting more games for you guys and, and lighting up the Premier League. Um, yeah. But otherwise... Um, I think there was a few yellow cards that went out in this match i think well or one yellow card to four nows which shouldn't have been a yellow card that even i got a bit annoyed at from a from a football fan's point of view not just a um not because i'm not a west ham fan i just want to clarify um um but yeah that overall david Moyes, good job he's doing <laughs> a very good job he's doing a
1: very good job david Moyes. and to be fair luke this game is very similar to. As I've said this the same to. I've said this on social media. We didn't play particularly well against Fulham, and we didn't play particularly well against Sheffield United. We won both those games one nil, and we've come. And Aston Villa have come to us with an incredibly good away record, and we've beaten them two one, and we only had two shots on target, which actually they were both headers as well. So, um, yeah, I'm. At, I'm. At, although we didn't perform particularly well, and David Moyes came out and said he was not happy. David- even came out and said that David Moyes wasn't happy at half-time. That's why he made two changes. I can't believe that West Ham made three substitutes before the 80th minute. I think that's the first time this ever happened. So Haller's been playing really well as well. But let's talk about the last goal, the the disallowed goal from Watkins. So, Luke, what are your what's your opinion on that?
0: Did you see it? I did see it. Uh, rem- just just to make sure I'm talking about the right one, that's where he's, he's offside because his shirt sleeve was further forward than the West Ham defender, right? That's yeah. the one we're talking about. <laughs> was it offside? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the, do you know what? They said this on, 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 um, match of the day. Uh, no, he said it on Monday night football. Sorry. Uh, Jamie Carragher, um, in today's world a VAR world, that is offside in olden times before var that's not offside well this is the thing
1: right the linesman didn't put his flag up but did he not put his flag up because he thought it was onside or did he not put his flag up because they're being told to keep their flags down and let var make those decisions so that's the thing although you saying it's not on, it's you saying it's not offside i think he's the way he was anyway looked like he was offside to me. I looked at when I looked at it from my eyes without drawing the lines, I was like, he's offside. I didn't need the lines to see it was offside. David Moyes said the same thing, but he's offside. And then it came out that he was actually being fouled and ogbonna was trying to get into WrestleMania um because he literally had his arms around his neck um Hmm. during the process. Now there's two different ways to look at that is if he if if he's not offside or if he's offside and, and they scored from it, if it's not a goal they're saying that it's a foul and he should have got a penalty. However, from from what I see, that from what, the way I see that is he's in an offside position trying to get the ball. The ball's been played in, right? And while the ball's been played in is when the foul took place. They, they took place at the exact same time when the ball was crossed in and to when he was being fouled. Now, he, if he's offside, he's offside and he can't score. He's 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 in an advantage. He's in an advantage in, in an advantageous position. And he scored from it, right? So he's not being disadvantaged from the foul as such because he scored a goal. So the argument is, is that although he's been fouled, he's offside. So regardless of if, even if he missed, they're going to go back. What they would do, they'll go back and they'll go, all oh, right, well, he's, they'll go, was it a foul? And they'll go, yes, it was foul. Hang on, let's just check to see if he was offside. And that's what they would have done. And they would have said, yes, it was a foul. However, he's offside. So the free kick would have gone West Ham's way, either way, and that—that's the argument I've been having with people is that it does—it doesn't matter if he was fouled, because—and I—I—I I believe he was fouled. It was a foul, and if he wasn't offside, then I—I I genuinely believe they would
0: have got the penalty. So, like, wasn't because- he? Wasn't he? The reason why he was offside was because he was being fouled, wasn't it? If if I'm not remembering that right. The way Ogbonna had his hands over him made him essentially duck forward, which put most of his body over the line. So wasn't it the foul that led to the offside rather than the offside that led to the foul?
1: See, that's the argument. But if he wasn't fouled, then would he have been offside anyway? Yes, he would have because he would have run straight through.
0: Mm. So
1: either way, he was going to be offside. So. It's, that's just the way I look at it and and that is the book that is the that is how they how the book of the law is that's that's how they that's how that's the rules of the game is that it, you can't be fouled if you're going for for the ball in an offside position so you got to look at it from that sort of I look at it from that sort of way because I'm a West Ham fan so either way um I don't I don't know what what they were saying um uh, well, let me read from what the, ana- the analysis of what Dermot Gallagher said He said, there are a number of issues First and foremost, when the ball goes into the net The first priority is to check the offside It was very, very tight and they have to be precise And we saw how diligent they were Once they decided it was offside They then checked the build-up, whether there was a foul And that came to the conclusion In his opinion, there was not a foul And did not impact on Watkins And therefore, it was the side of the goal was ruled out for offside If a defender or forward does does that to an opponent in the penalty box he runs a massive risk. It's a subjective call. But Peter Banks obviously did not think to see that on the pitch. And there is no doubt that that, that because of the on-field decision was goal. It goes back to the VAR. He has the has responsibility to check the offside and then check what happens in the build-up. In his opinion, he did not think it was a foul. So that was why the goal was ruled out and no penalty given. Now, they didn't think it was a foul. I mean, it was a foul, obviously. But the point is, he was fouled in an offside position regardless. So it doesn't matter. Hmm. do you know what i mean so
0: we could talk about it the cows come home couldn't we it's interesting we could
1: we could but good win um i i I love watching us win when we feel like we haven't played well and i've done that the last three weeks so let's let's keep that up totally good
0: well the next match is a blitz match i'm gonna hand it straight back over to you it's leicester city versus fulham with leicester one fulham two harvey barnes on the score sheet for leicester in the 86th minute but fulham were two nil up for a majority of this game through adamila lookman on 30 minutes Adem- yeah i can't say it and uh Cavalero actually scoring a penalty believe it or not fulham fans wow. you actually put a penalty past the goalkeeper on the 38th minute now there's lots of discussions around how they got that penalty but i will fire it over to george george your two minutes start now
1: yeah um I believe that that, that that Fulham had missed five of their last eight penalties and lost their last three in a row and missed their last three in a row. So um, it's nice to actually see them score a penalty and, and use it to their actual advantage. Although, you know, from a Leicester per- perspective, I think they'll be disappointed. Um, they weren't very good uh, in terms of defending uh, what they had. Um, and if if they let teams like Fulham, who are struggling... Um, to have the ball and, and to move forward with it the way that they did, you're going to be punished. So it, from from the way you look at the game, it's actually, Leicester should have won the game, really. They had more shots on target. They had more possession and everything. But Fulham still had five, five shots at goal. And they actually had five, um, sorry, they had 10 shots on goal and they actually had five shots on target to Leicester's three. So Leicester just were not precise enough. They weren't, they weren't putting the ball in the back of the net after all. Um, and that's what it all goes down to. So um, nice to see Lookman actually come back after what was an absolutely woeful penalty against West Ham, even though Cavalero um, took this one and, and put it in the back of the net. Um, so I think I think Leicester were just a little bit shook when when Fulham scored that second goal, you know, because they didn't seem themselves like Brendan Rodgers is. It's strange because they go, they go they're a really good side, Leicester. They're a really good side, but then they're losing these they're losing games against teams that you wouldn't expect them to lose to. They got drummed by West Ham. They've been beaten by Fulham at home as well. Like what's going on with what's going on with Leicester they should be winning those games they had Vardy on the bench on um starting as well so it's it's um it's a strange one for for from a Leicester perspective because Leicester should be and as I've always always said in the past is I think Leicester should be replacing what what Spurs are as in the big six um but obviously, if the table shows right now, that's never going to happen. So,
0: well, time's um, up, but um, yeah, I mean, the Liverpool, uh, Leicester's last two games, Liverpool, uh, and Fulham, if they won both of those, they would be top of the league, um, yeah. right now by, by two points. Um, so brewing this miss because obviously if they'd have won this they'd have gone joint top of the Premier League actually above uh, Liverpool depending on how the goal difference worked but Tony Khan um, uh, co-owner of Fulham I think with his dad or whatever um, he praised um, the Fulham uh, fight um, on on Twitter and that got lots of reactions so it's nice to see the owner coming out like that and good for Scotty Parker I'll say about time Um, but we will move on to the last game which is Arsenal versus Wolves. And the reason why I have left this to the end is because this had, well, pretty much everything possibly dramatic going on in it possible. Gabriel um, scored for Arsenal on 13 minutes, but for Wolves, Pedro Neto scored on 27 minutes and Podence uh, put it in the back of the net on 42 minutes. So all the goals coming in the first half of this game. But more importantly, in the first, what, five, 10 minutes of this game, yeah, across a corner from William into the Wolves box, David Luiz and Raúl Jiménez did a clash of heads, and because there's no one in the stadium, and if you don't have crowd noise turned on or whatever on your on your TV, you would have heard one of the most horrible noises you could ever possibly hear when two heads bashed together. It sounded like a pot of Pringles being sat on by Jubba the Hut. It was absolutely <laughs> awful to hear and as soon as it happened David Luiz you could see probably came off better of the two because he was moving around a little bit but Jimenez was just on the floor like a sack of spuds not moved and instantly every single player Arsenal and Wolves basically shouted to the medical team get on and and look at these guys david louise was was bleeding quite profusely from his head um they bandaged him up and gave him all the right checks and he finished the half only to be substituted at half time but jimenez again didn't move you didn't see anything of him at all he was kept on the pitch for a good 10 minutes before they got him on a stretcher and took him to hospital he has since had a a scan And I think he's also having surgery as well to repair a broken skull, basically. Um, There's been some talks that he would never play football again. The conversation about uh, Ryan Mason from a few years ago when he hurt himself against uh, playing for Hull uh, has come into the equation. But Raul Jimenez himself has come out saying, I hope to be back on the pitch very, very soon. Awful injury. No one really wanted to see it, but it was a sickening noise. If you get a chance to have a listen to the replay.
1: It was horrible, and I I, um, I watched a video, um, which is kind of a little bit off the subject of of football in general. But where where um, uh, Louis David Louis actually made contact with Jimenez was sort of just um, above above sort of the ear, if that makes sense. Um, on on the, on the back side of his ear, just above it. And what actually happened? What where where your skull is, right? Your skull isn't just one bone; it's made up of several different sections and it's welded together as you grow older right um so where where he actually made contact is where there is about three different joins and there's a major artery that also goes up where that join is where he actually made contact and what they're saying is that the reason why he, he had to have an operation is because it was very likely they haven't made this um public knowledge but uh, it's very likely that he actually had a bleed on the brain um, Rather than actually trying to put his skull back together, um, because he had a fractured skull, um, so it's 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 really sad to see and really worrying. And I hope obviously he comes back because Jimenez is a quality quality player. Um, so so yeah, but that's just uh, a little medical insight for you. I'm a medical genius. So
0: yep thank you very much for that dr george but generally if we take that out of the equation the wolves players bounced back really really well really really professional performance so did the arsenal players and they did give us a good game of football with wolves ending up coming out on top 2-1 at the emirates i believe winning there for the first time since something like the 1970s i remember a stat like that um and more questions around Mikhail arteta what on earth is going on at Arsenal, I've seen loads of tweets like, thanks for the FA Cup, but now it's time to go. Um, you could Comparisons with him and Unai Emery are coming back and Unai Emery was better in almost every single department. Uh, sorry, Mikel, but time must be ticking for you. Uh, I think we said it on the last podcast last week. The only reason why you're still in the job potentially is because of who you are from an Arsenal perspective and the fact that you were Pep's Pep's number two but eventually that's probably going to run out, particularly if you keep getting results like this and especially next weekend because next weekend yep. it's Tottenham Hotspur versus Arsenal. And exactly. I've seen, I've seen Arsenal fans saying that Spurs are going to absolutely destroy them. Jose will be licking his lips. He loves beating Arsenal just because of the old Arsene Wenger type thing. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting game next week. And if Arsenal don't come our way with it, with, a, with, a, with anything, Arteta, you might not have a job by Christmas because I think losing to Spurs, capping three losses on a row, um, or sorry, two losses in a a, a row and and dropping points against Leeds. I don't think there'll be many Arsenal higher-ups that will have any patience left. No, George, what do you
1: think? Uh, Well, let's put it this way, right? First of all, um, we all know that the Arsenal-Spurs fixture throw the the form book out the window. Uh, We know that already. We just know that because of the way that that game is, right? Now... The problem is, is that, and we've said this before, is Mikel Arteta, he has, he has become the manager on the basis of who he is in terms of from his Arsenal playing career and off the back of being Pep's assistant. He has not consistently performed as a manager for Arsenal over the past year. All right, they won the FA Cup, whatever, right? Arsenal win the FA Cup all the time. And he actually had a really good, well, I say really good, he actually had a good record um, when he first joined Arsenal. Um, I think they only lost five games of their last first, I don't know what it was first 20 or first 25 or whatever, but they only lost, they didn't lose many right under Arteta and their last eight games, they've won two and drew one and, and lost five. They lost five of their first eight games. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They can't be doing that. And they're, they're currently sitting in what, 14th, 13th, 14th, 15th, wherever their bottom half, well rooted to the bottom half. I, I, I do believe that um, Spurs are going to absolutely destroy them at the weekend, regardless of the form book. Just, just, the way that that Arsenal are playing, um, they lack confidence. Um, they, they they lack, they just lack everything at the moment. They're, they're conceding, they're not scoring, they're not keeping hold of the ball very well. Um, they, they 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 need to. What they need to do is that they, they they're the one of those teams where at the moment where they they would like to have the FA Cup come around. So that they could play someone like Morecambe, drum them four, five nil, just to give them a bit of confidence, so that they can go, yeah, we've won a game convincingly, and try and take it back into the league. That's what they need. Um, they might be able to do it against who is it? Rapid Vienna, whoever they're playing this week in the Europa League. Yep. Um, who, which they have, a, they have a relatively good form in the Europa League, Arsenal. But you know, the Premier League isn't the Europa League, so um, it's well, uh, concerning. It-
0: Indeed, it is what it is, and we will see what happens next week because it should be a very juicy encounter indeed. But that is it's all 10 games of the Premier League this week. The final table looks like this top of the table on joint 21 points are Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool, only separated by goal difference, for which Spurs have a greater goal, dif- uh, goal difference by seven. Chelsea uh, make up the top three um, with 19 points, two points behind both leaders. Leicester City still remain in the top four despite losing to on 18 points and then in fifth and in a europe space is west ham on 17 Um, though it's worth mentioning of course that you do share 17 points with southampton and wolves only being separated by goal difference as well So it's still very, very tight. As you said before, there is only four points between seventh and first. Five points separate ninth from first. So it's still ridiculously tight. With Everton in uh, eighth position on 16 points and Manchester United on 16 points in ninth. Again, only separated by goal difference. Aston Villa and Manchester City make up 10th and 11th spot on 15 points apiece. Leeds United and Newcastle are on 12th and 13th position with 14 points each. Arsenal all the way down in 14th on 13 points the same as Crystal Palace Um, Brighton are on 10 points in 16th place Fulham out of the relegation zone for I think the first time uh, this season Um, other than the first day of course Um, On seven points, West Brom, despite their win against Sheffield United, they do still stay in the bottom three, but on 18th position on six points. Burnley on five points in 19th, and Sheffield United propping up the rest of the table with only one point from 10 games. And don't forget, guys, there are still some games in hand to have. Manchester United, Aston Villa, Manchester City, and Burnley, the four teams you might have to add three more points to. And there we have it. That was your Premier League review of this week. Definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to next week when we have the likes of the London derby between Tottenham and Arsenal. Chelsea also take on Leeds. West Ham take on Manchester United. And of course, we'll see what happens between Aston Villa and Newcastle because of the potential suspension. In fact, I'm looking in the corner of my newsfeed. The confirmed suspension of that game is going to be postponed for a later date. So that'll be quite interesting. It's actually confirmed, is it? it has it's on sky sports right now so there we are thank you very much guys and you can follow us on twitter at lj that's me directly you can follow the podcast at have a crack pod george where can they follow you campy whu lovely jubbly thank you very much guys and we'll see you next week
1: goodbye